Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Switch Leader Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. I know that you can probably hear laughing in my voice, but it's because James is laughing at me and it's hard for me not to laugh. Today, I'm here with James Meehan and Caitlin Caffrey, and we are excited to continue this three-week series that we've been in with you so far. We have covered one week with James, one week with Caitlin, and now we are wrapping up this series called Tips and Tricks on How to Lead a Small Group. And this week, we are actually fielding questions from small group leaders. This episode is going to feel a little bit different because instead of us just talking about a particular topic, we are going to be each going through different questions and just answering them from our own experience and from conversations, of course, that we've had with other youth pastors and other switch leaders over the years. So I'm actually going to kick us off with the very first question, which is how, as a leader, do you deal with burnout? This is a really good question. I think that a lot of people think of burnout and they can kind of just direct it to like pastors in the church. When in truth, a lot of church volunteers burn out. A lot of people that volunteer in their church burn out. And there's a lot of different reasons. But when it really comes down to it, it's usually that we didn't take great care of ourselves. And I think that when we get to that place, it's easy for us to say, man, the church burned me out. And while I think that there, there might be some health to that statement, and maybe sometimes it's true that we're asked to, to do too many things, what I have learned over the years is that when I have found myself in a place where I am worn down, it's not because the church forced me to do a whole bunch of stuff. It's because I just kept on saying yes to stuff that I love to do, but I said yes so many times that it wore me silly. And I just didn't take a break and I didn't rest. And at the end of the day, if I'm not physically, spiritually, and mentally well, I'm going to be prone to burnout. And it's something that is really, really important for me to keep an eye on. And for you as a volunteer in the church, you have to know when to say yes. And you also have to know when to say no and understand that nobody knows your life and your amount of margin like you do. Make sure that you're spiritually well. Make sure that you are remembering why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Make sure that when there's breaks and when you have time, rest and be with your family. Have a vacation and enjoy it and truly disconnect so that when you're here and when you're investing in the church, you can do it with a clear mind and you can do it feeling passionate about it and loving it. It should always be giving life to you and not taking life away from you. That's great. Second question, I'm going to give this one to James. The question is, what do I do when my students don't pay attention to the message? Well, what I do is I say, what the heck, guys? It was me. Like, that's so (laughs) rude. I'm right here. I watched you on your phone the whole time. (laughs) It's hurtful. And then what I do is I just proceed to re-preach the message they didn't pay attention to. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That's not what I do. That's not what I do. Like, what's funny about this, I've talked about it before, but I think it's worth repeating. I think one of the worst things you can do to kick off your small group conversation is ask the question, what did you think of the message? Because that question is actually treating a message like it's a movie or a TV show Mm. or some other form of entertainment where it's actually putting the responsibility on the message rather than on the hearer. And when we think about what it looks like to be good receivers of God's word, 
we want to make sure that we're owning our end of it. And so instead of asking the question, what did you think? Maybe a better question is, what was the biggest takeaway? And again, if they're not paying attention, then don't even ask that question and just jump straight to what's on the message guide in front of them. That's what I do with my seventh grade guys, because the truth is, even on nights where they are paying attention and they are taking notes, by the time we get from the auditorium to the lobby, sit down in a circle, everybody paying attention, it's been like three minutes. And there is no way in heck they are still thinking about what they watched in the message three minutes ago by the time that we get there. And so I just lean into the message guide and use that to walk through the conversation and prompt them with reminders of what we talked about through it. All right, James, that was really great. The next question is for Caitlin. The question is, sometimes the teaching and the messages is hard for me to wrap my head around, let alone my students. What am I supposed to do on nights like that? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of potential in that question. There's a lot of potential to think that it's a total failure and be super embarrassed if you are also lost. But I think the beauty of it is that it also provides a really beautiful opportunity if we're willing to step into it. So what I would say to that, if you experience a night like it, make it an opportunity to process through it together. And just like figure it out together. So what I would say is don't be embarrassed if you're missing it or if it's hard for you to wrap your head around because it's actually really powerful for our students to see us and watch us work through stuff as well. The words, I don't know, let's figure it out together, I think are a massive equity builder. And it's like, hey, we're, we're all on this journey of becoming more fully devoted followers of Christ. And I'm right here with you. So we're going to figure it out together. So what I would say is like, be honest, maybe start with the scripture that was like the teaching text for the message, pray together, ask the Holy Spirit for his help, and just go from there into the rest of your conversation. Pastor Craig always says people would rather follow a leader who is always real than a leader who is always right. Great feedback, Caitlin. James, I'll have you take this next one. The question is, I started the semester with 10 students, and now I'm down to two, if they even show up. What am I doing wrong? Mm. This is a very, very real thing that I've heard from lots of different switch leaders in the past. And the truth is, you may not be doing anything wrong. You might be, but you may not be. There could be all sorts of other factors going into it, like students moving away, student schedules changing because of the sporting season that's taking place. It could be that they started going to another church with their friends. It could be they're grounded because of whatever reason. So maybe don't jump to the conclusion that you're doing something wrong, but, but also don't rule that off the table because leading a small group is a challenging thing. And there could be some different skills you could develop to become a more effective small group leader. And so what I would encourage you to do is follow up with those students who aren't coming anymore and maybe ask them why they aren't coming. And that's a really great starting point. Then I would ask another small group leader, maybe it's your coach, your community leader, or somebody else that you just look up to who's been serving for a while and ask them to sit in with you in your group and then ask them for feedback at the end of the night about how you did. And then allow those different conversations to sort of shape how you approach leading your group in the weeks to come. And I think that's going to move you in the direction of re-engaging those students and creating a really awesome small group so that more students are going to want to show up. Love it. 
Caitlin, next one for you. Question number five. I'm getting ghosted by parents. How do I re-engage them? What are some of the best ways to partner with parents in helping students? Man, that's a big question. What I would say, if you're getting ghosted by parents, don't be surprised or offended. I think a great way to reestablish connection is figuring out a way to connect with them in person, if at all possible. So go go to the car with the student when they're getting picked up. Find them on the weekend in the lobby. Like do whatever it takes to try and connect with them in person. But if you absolutely can't get to them in person, send them a text. And what I what I would recommend sending in this text is finding something praiseworthy to say about their kid. And what this does is acknowledges the work that they are doing as a parent by celebrating the evidence of that that you see in their child. That's great. And like there is basically nothing that I have seen work more effectively in reestablishing connection with a parent than just like acknowledging how hard their job is and pointing to the fruit of it that you see in their kid's life. So good. Question number six, I'll take this one. It says, what processes have worked or not worked for bringing additional kids to the church or to your small group? I'm going to be really, really simple on this. So a lot of times we just think, okay, I'm going to create the best environment and I'm going to, it's going to be really fun and I'm going to do all of the right things to get, you know, get more students to be here. And I think that we then unintentionally skip over the easiest things. Get ready. It's going to be, this is huge. I'm going to blow your mind. You're going to take the seven students that you have in your small group. And during group, you're going to say next week, I want each one of you, each one of you to bring at least one friend with you that is not in this circle right now. And it will blow your mind what will happen. And it's not because all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, I think maybe this week I will have someone. It's because when we ask it from stage, they don't actually think we're talking to them. Right. Like when somebody stands on stage and says, hey, make sure you invite your friends next week. They just see somebody with a microphone telling a group of people to invite friends and that is not personal to them. But when their small group leader that is sitting in front of them says, hey, you right there in front of me, I want for you to bring one friend with you, not just invite somebody, not do the bare minimum. I want you to get them here, get them in your car, get them to switch. It will surprise you what will happen. And if you allow that to be something, not, not necessarily something you do every week, but something that you find yourself challenging the students in your group to consistently, maybe once a month, you circle up and you say, hey, who have you brought this month? Who have you brought to Switch this month? Sometimes maybe they bring somebody that's younger and it's not in their small group, but they're still able to say, I brought somebody with me. It's all about the personal ask. You have to ask the question, but it being personal means way more than it being something that we say from stage. So you want to grow your group? Grow it by casting vision. Grow it by making sure that students in your circle understand why it's important, but then just ask the question. James, I'll have you handle question number seven. What is the thing you struggle with most as a leader? It's a great question. Yeah, it's a really good question. I'm going to answer this like just pretty big picture because I think that this is probably true for a lot of people, 
But for me, one of the biggest struggles I have is comparing myself to other people. For those of you who are listening to this Mm -hmm. podcast, you may not know this, but I actually married Pastor Craig Rochelle's daughter, Mandy. And so, so Craig is my father-in-law. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. It is an accomplishment. But uh, Craig Rochelle, (laughs) senior pastor of Life Church, one of the greatest communicators, leaders, pastors, human beings on the planet. That dude's my my father-in-law. And so Mm. I sometimes struggle with comparing myself to him. And like when he taught a switch message earlier this semester, it was like offensively good because (laughs) it's like... (laughs) He just is so good. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you were probably there. You saw it. You felt it. Incredible conversations in small groups. And I'm just like, it. like, I wish I was that good. And maybe for you, you're not always comparing yourself to Craig Rochelle, but maybe you're comparing yourself to somebody else in another circumstance. I just want to remind you what I need to remind me, that the calling I have been given by God is not to be a budget Craig Rochelle. I'm not supposed to be the version of Craig Rochelle you follow, you find at the dollar store. The calling that I have been given is to be the best version of me, a version of me that is every single day becoming more and more like Jesus. The calling that you have been given by God is to become who he has created you to be, somebody who loves him with every ounce of your being and loves others the same way that Jesus has loved you. And so for me, biggest struggle I face as a leader is comparing myself to somebody else. And the solution to that struggle is being reminded that my calling is not to compare to others, but to become like Jesus. So good. I'm going to take question number eight. The question is, how do I pastor or encourage students with a difficult home situation? Mm. So when I first became a pastor, I was in my early 20s. And I was just convinced that I had to have the answers. Like I was convinced that like, hey, I'm going to be put in some situations where people need guidance through hard things. And so I need to be processing how do I give them the right answer? As I got older, I realized how foolish I was when I was younger. And I realized that I needed to listen a whole lot more than I talked. And so how do you pastor a student that has a really hard home situation? man, you better find yourself listening to them way more than you're talking at them. Because if they have a difficult situation at home, you better believe they have some things that they need to get off their chest. And if you find that they're not doing that, then you need to keep on chipping away. And the way that you chip away is just showing up and asking questions. Your words to them are not you trying to share tidbits of wisdom all the time. It's literally you saying, hey, how was your week? Hey, how'd your game go? Hey, how's your mom? Hey, how are your siblings doing? Hey, what are you going to do for your birthday? Genuinely finding a way to help them understand that you are so interested in their lives that they can trust you with the personal things going on in their life. And part of the way that we do that, of course, is also sharing a little bit of what's going on in ours. And so if you want to know what's going on in a student's life, if you want them to be vulnerable or transparent with you, you are going to have to share a little bit about what's going on in your life. Just make sure that you don't make it all about you. Make sure that the purpose of you sharing it isn't so that you feel better and you got something off your chest. It's that you used it to help relate to a student so that they can then get off their chest, whatever is going on in their life. Just listen, listen, listen 
share the love of Jesus and truly be compassionate. Make sure that a student knows that, hey, you're allowed to mess up. And if you screwed up, guess what? Join the club. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty good at it too. So, and I'm pretty sure I'm still going to heaven. Jesus loves me. And that's, that's why he gave his life for us. And so just make sure Come that on. they understand grace and, and, and listen way, way more than, than you talk. Uh, mm-hmm. Next question, Caitlin, I'm going to have you answer question number nine. This is, what are some best strategies for pastoring immature or unengaged students? How am I supposed to deal with the one kid who derails the conversation every single week? Right. Yeah. I think that this is an inevitability for basically all of us at some point or another. We're going to have that one kid who is just like super dysregulated and somehow derails the conversation every single time. And if you do have a student in your group who is like requiring extra attention, who needs some extra support, like who is doing a lot of those attention seeking behaviors right now, like A, one, just start with acknowledging that that's the case because we can't do anything about it unless we acknowledge that that is just the reality of what's happening. And then I would bring people in. Like there's a reason why we're partnered up with co-leaders. There's a reason why we have coaches. There are probably some student leaders who can like team up with you to help regulate that student in your group. So A, let's bring people in. And then B, like if they are constantly interrupting and doing those disruptive behaviors, the other kids in your group are going to have a reaction and a response. I find that the reaction is either like, oh gosh, like this is awkward. Or it's like, we're going to laugh at it because we don't know what else to do. And my strategy in this situation is to like win that group of students over and ask for their help with the person who's asked, who's like acting out. And so what that has looked like for me in the past is like, for example, when I had a group of sixth graders, we had a student who was, who would just like randomly yell, like they needed some extra support and they were just kind of being disruptive and would randomly interject into the conversation with like an exclamation or outburst of some sort. And I had these three students who were, who would just kind of laugh at it every time that it happened. And the student was new. So I was like, Hey, y'all have been here for quite a while. My friend over here has, this is, this is their first time. They don't know what's actually going on. So would you show them what it's like to like be part of a small group conversation here? And just like enlisting their help and letting them know that I trusted them and that we were doing this together was a cool way and strategy to like turn them from unhelpful spectators to active participants and leaders. Right. That's good. James, I'm going to have you take question number 10. It says, how do you lead someone through a personal issue with religion and keep them coming back? This is a really good question. I would start with trying to figure out what the issue is because sometimes the issue is like purely an intellectual one. Like, I don't know if I can trust the Bible or I don't know if I believe that God is real or some version of that. Other times, the issue is a lot more personal and a lot more emotional. And that requires a different response. Like if it's an intellectual thing, then there's tons of great like apologetics resources that are available. 
if it's a more personal or emotional one, then the best thing you can offer that person is not an answer, but your presence, like mm. being with them. What's interesting is the parable of the lost sheep. So there's a hundred sheep. One of them goes away. Shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. The one lost sheep the shepherd goes after was at one time a part of the 99. And so like the most direct application of that parable isn't to bring in lost people who have never been a part of the church. Like I think it totally applies to that. But actually the most direct application is to go after the people who were a part of the family and who have gone astray. It's the parable of the prodigal right. son. And so I think if you've got somebody in your life who was a part of the church, something happened, and now they're starting to drift, one of the most Christ-like things you can do is chase after them, going Come after on. the one and inviting them back to be a part of the 99. And the best way you can do that sometimes is maybe offering an answer to intellectual questions. Other times it's simply being there with them in their pain and showing them not telling them that God loves them because yep. we as human beings, we are the body of Christ. And if you want to convince somebody that they are loved by the head of the church, Jesus, then as a body, we got to surround them with love. Absolutely. I'm going to answer the last question. It says, I have been serving in switch for a long time, but I can't see the fruit or any difference in these kids. Is this really the right fit for me? This is how I'm going to answer that. Maybe. <laughs> this, this might be the right fit for you. This is what I would say is usually the fruit is something that we just don't get to see. And the enemy likes to discourage us and tell us that there is no fruit when in fact there is. We just don't always get to know that it's there. I'll say that switch is not for everybody. So not every single person in our church should be serving in our youth ministry. That's just a reality. Not every single person is called to do this. But if you find yourself in a position where you say, I have been serving in Switch for years and I'm not seeing any fruit, I'm not seeing any change happen in these students' lives, then I'm going to challenge you on that. And I'm going to tell you to just take pause for just a moment and I want you to maybe stop speaking in extremes and try to get a little bit more realistic. Because my guess is that if you have invested yourself in somebody's life for years, and if you have invested yourself in this ministry for years, then it would be nearly impossible for there not to be some type of impact that you have had on a kid's life. And it doesn't have to mean that you got to baptize them or you led them to Jesus. It could simply mean that you showed them what it looked like to be loved and you love them really, really well. And they maybe weren't going to experience that anywhere else unless they experienced it from you. Sometimes we find ourselves feeling like we're just not seeing the fruit because in truth, we're not connected ourselves. We've been doing ministry by ourselves for a long time. We've just been leading a small group and connecting with students. And we never, ever put the effort it takes to connect with some of our fellow leaders so that we're not doing it by ourselves, but we are doing ministry alongside other people, which is the way that Jesus called for us to do it. And so if you're doing it by yourself right now and you don't have somebody that you're locking arms with, I'm going to challenge you to find that person, find those people, invite some 
guys or girls to come over to your house and have a cookout and get to know them better. I invite some people to go to Brahms after switch and build a little bit more rapport and relationship, but just make sure that you aren't doing it by yourself. Um, to everybody that's listening, I think that we have said this enough times that hopefully it's setting in, but I can speak on behalf of every youth pastor in Life Church that we love you. We genuinely care for you. And when you're going through something hard, I want you to know that our hearts break for you. And when you're going through something good, I want you to know that we are celebrating with you. And our hope is that in the same way that we deeply do love and care for you, our hope is that you feel the same way about each student in your small group, that you are broken for them when they break and that you are you know, rejoicing with them when they rejoice and that you take a genuine interest in their lives. We thank you guys for listening to this podcast. We know that it's work and we know that it means that you have to give up time every single week to do it. The fact that you're tuning in means that you care about being better and you care about reaching more students. So we hope that by the time it's over, you feel encouraged and you are ready to take on the enemy for another week. We love you all. We thank you for joining us on the Switch Leader podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Thank you.